The Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to the growth of ideas, concepts, and outlooks that support recovery and recovery in communities. I'm Gerald Lodd, your host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also the co-founder and executive director of Salt Valley Voices of Recovery. We're a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery support specialist, entrepreneur, and a father. After a long list of careers, I found my calling in helping others find recovery. I work with many, many people every day and several addiction-related advisory boards and groups. And my core belief is that people must make an effort to change their lives for recovery. There's a saying, no pain, no gain, and it's exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant life changes without enduring, accepting, and often welcoming discomfort. It isn't the change that hurts, it's our resistance to it. Today, my guest is Joseph Green of LMS Voice. Uh, Joseph is a spoken word artist and educator, and uh, one of the subjects of the documentary Tipping the Pain Scale Uh, the third movie in the uh, series uh, by Greg Williams that also includes Anonymous People, A Generation Found. Um, Joseph is just an amazing, amazing person. Uh, He and I got to know each other over the last year after I I first was introduced to him at a screening of the movie, and then uh, we we started seeing each other out on the uh, recovery conference circuit. And... um, I, I have to be honest, his, his his work just really touched me in such a way that, one, I found someone who uh, I thought was a kindred spirit, but I also found somebody who I thought I, I needed to uh, support their effort. And so we, we brought Joseph to our recovery conference, RecoverCon. We then brought him back, and he did a, a week-long tour of our middle schools and, and spoke to over 2,000 children during that week at 10 schools. It was, it was an amazing, uh, amazingly impactful uh, tour. And I still have children and parents and teachers that uh, see me in the street and say, you know, what an impact he had. So um, we're first going to listen to one of Joseph's poems, one that really caught me. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right into our conversation with him. He's traveling right now, and uh, he, he, he was on his way to a, a, an engagement in New Jersey, but he, he d- took the time while he was driving to have the conversation with me. So you'll hear a little background noise. At one point, it gets a little choppy due to uh, cell service. But again, the conversation with him is just... Uh, amazing to me so i want to share it with you my my uh my listeners in the recovery greenhouse here it is the poem is called saint jude if i could give a gift to all of the people who do this work this would be that gift it's called saint jude who you don't know among other things is the patron saint of lost causes may we lost causes find at the height of our recovering, that which we could not find at the bottom of our addiction. Salvation was never there. Trust me, I looked often and with the thorough eye of a man willing to face anyone except his own truth. My truth, a relentless and unforgiving lover who always refused to play the role of mistress, 
She would lie next to me when I thought I was alone. She would sit next to me on the train when I thought I was running away. And if I adjusted the frequency just so, I could hear her whisper, I can set you free. She was there the day I sat shaking in the kitchen of my drug dealer, waiting for him to go to sleep so that I might creep into his stash spot and put a band-aid over this bullet wound of an addiction. She was there the day the man who welcomed me in like father said like Christ to Judas with his eyes, I know it was you. Selfish son with sinister intent and sinning fingers stealing from the cash register his money, his trust, but somehow never his faith. She was there the day my closest friend stopped talking to me. He had been through this before and had recognized the signs and refused to be the recipient of yet another suicide note. She was also there the day I learned that what the world had taught me was a moral failing was in fact a disease, a poison passed effortlessly through the veins of my family tree. She told me never forget. Recovery is the redemption as love is the forgiveness. Where you find one, the other will always be there. We must fall out of love with punishing ourselves for the pain that our actions have caused other people. I'm sorry, we'll only ever be a bucket of sand trying to drown a forest fire. And while apologies are an important step, if the universe is to ever extract the remaining usefulness from us, forgiveness has to be an olive branch we eventually offer ourselves. Seek to have the spirit of St. Jude. Let us use this light and this life and these words as a beacon of hope for anybody who has ever considered themselves a lost cause. We fight for the broken and the breakers, for the damaged and the damagers, for the feared and the fearful, so they know they are not alone, that we are all here hurting and healing together. We fight for the millions we've lost. For the family searching for purpose amongst the embers of lives extinguished far too soon. For the communities that are fighting against the system that has too long punished the crime instead of treating the disease. For those of us who are fighting within the system to change the system, to restore humanity, dignity to places too often sacrificed for the financial or political bottom line together. We can make this world the way we want it to be, not just by knowing what we are fighting against, but by knowing and never forgetting what we are fighting for. Amen. Good morning, Joseph. What's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing outstanding. How are you today, sir? I'm well. I'm well, man. I, uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you for, for agreeing to interview with me and 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 for all of your support over the last couple of months and coming to our conference RecoverCon, and coming back to our community and speaking to over 2000 children in one week um since you've been here which has now been about three weeks you'd be surprised how many youth have come up to me and and mention something about that and how many other organizations have reached out to me about it so it was certainly impactful i thank you yeah no problem you know when we met you told me you could make me a star i just didn't know, <laughs> See? You, with, I didn't know you met with middle school students but i mean <laughs> hey it's not bad it's not bad work 
Well, I got a TikTok dance I want to teach you. We'll get you real quick <laughs> with the middle schoolers. Oh, so, man. So, you know, Joseph, um, I first became aware of you through a, a screening of um, Tipping the Pain Scale, the movie that, that you're one of the subjects in. And you performed one of your poems, Talk Ugly, and it... it it just brought me to tears. I, you know, it was it was a, a, a speaking of so many of the truths I knew in my life. And um, last year we we had our feature person at our conference was Johan Hari, because we took his uh, quote about connectiveness as our mantra for the year. And, and this year's mantra for my organization is, is basically the talk ugly concept. It's, you know, how can I speak ugly to you when I haven't spoken ugly to myself? Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for that poem and, and thank you for being who you are because it certainly impacted me. Yeah, that, that means so much to me. It's incredible that that poem is 10 years old now and that it is getting the response from people that it's getting because as an artist when you live in one city and life isn't going you know the way you planned it and you've gone to all the open mics and you've done the same poem 20 times and people are like saying the words with you i almost retired that poem five years ago and that's a, a weird thing that poets do as if you know you would ever retire your favorite song, but you get tired of doing it, and you and you're tired of getting the same response from people. But then I started doing it around the country, and every time I did it someplace else, it was like the first time that audience had heard it. And inside of that, it awoke new things in me, and so I started fidgeting with it and changing a few lines, and my relationship with the piece changed and. I've just heard so many stories like yours and they're all different in a particular way. And it's meant to be because it's art, right? And like, and it's how I intended it, but it only matters in how you have a relationship with it. And the fact that you've had a positive relationship with it or anyone has had a positive relationship with it is, you know, quite literally a dream come true for me. So the idea that I could have, I could have lived through that moment that my friend's story still gets to have an effect on life. It just really puts in perspective for me how important it is for those of us who are willing and able to share our stories with other people. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. I, you know, the interesting thing is being an old you know, music head, I, I'm, I, I kind of like to be the B-side guy, right? I, I like to be at the mm -hmm. guy at the table, like everybody's talking about the, the song and I'm like, but have you heard what's on the other side? Yeah. And I guess on the other side for me is that St. Jude poem. Because after, yeah. after hearing Talk Ugly, I started diving in, you know, to what I could find on the internet of you. And I found St. Jude and it just like blew me away. I mean, when you talked about, uh, you know, I said that recovery greenhouse is about ideas I want to grow, right? 
the, the mm-hmm. idea that you express at the end of that poem, you know, it's not what I'm fighting against, it's what I'm fighting for. Yeah. It, it, just, it just resonates with me. It is my life's work. I mean, I have been in AA for 40 years now almost, and I love it. But AA always seems, when it's not done well, to force me to look at what I'm running from, not what I'm running to. And, yeah. And I want to build my life not on what I'm running from, but what I'm running to. And I and I heard that. And and then you know, patron saying of lost cause, just so many things in that. So many things in that. The the drug dealer who who you you're, you know, you're waiting to go to sleep. The 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 guy who gave you a job and you you ripped him off. Oh my God! Just you know, you, you're <laughs> telling my story, man. Yeah. Um. You know, it's full circle. I I I feel so blessed to still be around to have found um a way to add abundance and joy to my life i think um the idea in the poem and the ideas that i i espouse in the poem and just starting from the beginning where you were saying the idea of being caring more about what i'm fighting for as opposed to what i'm fighting against a young person asked me once and I and I didn't have the answer the moment they asked me, but I sat with it for a moment and they were, the question was essentially, how do you stay strong amidst this storm of work that has to be done? This I was working in an activist space. Like every time we seem to make a win or or get something to change, like 10,000 things come down the pipe. And mm-hmm. I, I took a breath and I took a moment and my response to them was, is that there's nothing in history that would insinuate that in my lifetime, I'm going to be able to finish or fix everything. And so it is impendent upon me to ensure that there is joy and love and laughter in my life because that's what I'm fighting for other people to have. And so if I lose sight of that as an activist or as um, someone working in the recovery space or in harm reduction, I lose sight of the love and joy that I want those people to live and fight for themselves. And if they don't see it in me, in that moment, there's a chance that they won't be able to find it in themselves again. And so we have to constantly try to live life from a place of abundance so that we have something to offer people as opposed to just fighting to not do a thing um, or to destroy something or to remove something. Uh, it's, It's a... It's always like you can't be in a negative space without having negative feelings around you. And so if you're only living in the absence of, then that's the feeling that you already always have, that like you're missing something. And and we're not. We are we are abundant and we are full and we have the ability to be grateful and have joy in pretty much any situation that we're in. And so that's just, you know, a, a run-on thought about what that line is about. You know, the, the, the interesting thing, I get where you're at with that because um, 
oftentimes around the tables we hear, uh, if you hear no, uh, noise in the back, Joseph is driving, um, but uh, oftentimes around the tables we hear, well, it's one day at a time, right? Take it one day at a time. And I don't think that I can take it one day at a time. I, I, I live in two separate days at the same time. Um, and maybe, maybe this is, you know, uh, knowing what I know about you, I'm gonna get you all nerded out with, maybe this is the Marvel <laughs> multiverse, right? But, um, mm -hmm. but I live in the world that I am today and the world I was in, in the timeline that continued on from April 17th of 2008 when I had my last drink and drug, right? And so for me, if, if, if I live in those two days, you know, on April 17th of 2008, I got down on my knees and I said to God, please kill me or help me, but do something. That's where I was that day, right? There was nothing working. It was done. I was over. I was ready to lay down in a box and, and close it up and must put me in the ground. And yet I am still here today because of an intervention of my higher power. And I have a, a very full life. So when I look at what's going on in my life today, I say, is it as bad as it was that day? Right? So life is not about living today. Life is about respecting the comparison between two days, today and that last day. And in that, I always find that today is better. Does that make sense? It makes I, perfect sense. And, I, and what, I, what I appreciate about your understanding and relationship with that concept is that you have felt empowered enough to create your own working relationship with that thought or idea. And I think what I pull from that is not necessarily like, I don't fully sit in that thought because my quote unquote day of change was not nearly as dramatic as your day of change, your miracle day. So like, I don't have that exact relationship with it, but like mm -hmm. the idea that you have felt free to create that understanding, I think it speaks to what I hope many people are able to do, which is CAA or smart or uh, uh, a rehab space, whatever it is to see it for the tool that it is. And if something doesn't feel right, to explore that and to be encouraged to explore that. And it doesn't make the system that it comes from any less valid. It just means that you as a unique individual needed to understand it with a different metaphor than the one that was provided to you. It doesn't make the other metaphor untrue or unworthy. And I think when people are dealing with life and death, fear is present. And when fear is present, it keeps us from questioning things that have worked in the past. But just because something worked in the past or worked for someone else or worked for 99.9% .9 of other human beings in the same case, if it doesn't feel right in your gut, there's a chance that it might not work right for you. And people should be encouraged and, and, and held and, and, and not made to feel 
like they are betraying themselves or betraying a system or betraying a way of life or betraying something that has been deemed sacred if it doesn't work for them. Right. So that's that's the lesson that I'm pulling from from that. Like I love that concept. Um, it is not my concept, but it it's equally as valuable because it's the concept that saves your life. No, I, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I, 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 I have to, you know, I, I, in the end, I am a person who has tried to get sober over and over and over and over again. And, and thankfully now, you know, I'm, I'm double digits again, but there's been times when I didn't make double digit days. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, you know, it's been, it, it, it's, it's been up and up and up and down and up and down and up and down. And so I guess the, uh, the, the thing that I'm most aware of is that my recovery is my responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if I, if I can, uh, if I can't find a meeting that works for me, I got to make that meeting. If I can't understand the material, I got to find somebody that can explain it. You know, if this isn't working for me, then I got to find another way. And I think oftentimes people are just kind of taught to sit back and wait and see what happens. But when I sit back and wait with my recovery, I die. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a mentality that is widespread in society and exists in many different places. You know, I, I see that mentality a lot when I look at the environment, right? And, you know, people are kind of sitting by waiting for smarter people to come and fix a problem that they know exists and that they're contributing to. But we've been kind of taught or trained that if we just wait in the last minute, somebody or something is going to come and ride in and 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 save us and we're not going to have to change anything to keep the stuff that we have and i'm gonna hurt I, your feeling and say that's that's superheroes uh-oh the super it's a superhero mentality though it is right right right, right right yeah and for me so like i you know and and just you know me and i nerd out and i love marvel um and i love comic books but i love them as as legend and lore I love them as us aspiring to be superheroes in our own life. And what I love so much about them and the way they are told, this, these stories are particularly told is that they're flawed individuals, right? They're not perfect, but they have a gift and they have to stand up and use that gift. But so many of them are tortured by it or confused by it, or you know, are on the edge between using it for good or using it for bad. And I think if more people looked at their gifts that they have in life like superpowers um they wouldn't be so uh they wouldn't the the things that their 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 flaws or the things that they're working on or their personal obstacles wouldn't feel so heavy because they would realize that Martin Luther King had flaws and Kennedy had flaws and Harry Tubman had flaws and all of these people who did all of these miraculous things have flaws and all the people that they listen to in the music that they have flaws, but they have to find a way to get up and keep moving. And this is not a cry or call for people to stop going out into the streets and helping meet people where they are, because some people need to be met where they are. But once you get to that space you're right there has to be a willingness and a creativity almost 
about how you stay well, right? Not even about recovery, because this is true for everybody, whether they're technically in recovery or not. There has to be a creativity to how you approach wellness, um, because it's not something that's just going to come running and find you. You got to pursue it. It is a practice, and it's something that needs to be maintained throughout life. Well, that's that's the key. That's the key. I, I mean, you know, I start this this podcast by saying that you have to welcome hard times in order to get better. Think about that. You have to welcome. You know. Part of my addiction was running from hard times. I didn't like feeling things that were uncomfortable. I didn't like thinking about things I don't like, right? I wanted yeah. that constant state of, you know, the circle you talk about in, in, in Dear Me of dancing, you know, being just free and doing me and nobody can say anything. That's where I want to be. But in order to be an adult, in order to be a father, in order to grow up, I, I, I have to welcome discomfort. And by the way, uh, I, 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 I think, you know, the next book suggestion is, you know, the superhero is parable for addiction. But, you know, we, we can we can flesh that out and get rich on it down the road. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. But but, you know, this is this is this is the thing, you know, I live a very, very gentle and good life today because I embraced all the things that I ran from then. Yeah. Yeah, I was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine and we were talking about why she speaks so fast in conversations. And because this is something that I've had to deal with myself and I've had to spend a lot of time with it as a professional speaker, it doesn't mean that I am without anxiety or fear in front of audiences. And certain audiences, for different reasons, scare me more than other audiences. And I have little tricks and things that I do to try to calm myself down. But I was trying to explain to her the importance of intentional speech, which is a metaphor for intentional anything, right? Intentional living, intentional relationships, intentional whatever. But the idea is, you know, I said, your fast speaking is not, she said, it, it makes me feel brave. It gives me courage. And I said, imagine that you're at, uh, walking into a room and in that room, it's full of things that you're scared of. And your goal in your mind is that I'm supposed to get to the other door on the other side of the room. And if I run across this room, then I'm brave for having the, the you know, to, 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 just, to just walk in here and run and get to the other side. But the reality is, and this is what so many of us have found out, in that running, we don't even take time to fully understand the things that we are considering to be dangerous. And so if you were to actually take that situation on courageously, you would walk slowly in that room. You would mm -hmm. assess things. You would have conversations. You would figure out if, you know, settling down and being committed is actually something you should be scared of. You would look at um, religion and God as something that you should actually fear or, or you should, you know, maybe develop a deeper relationship with it. You would look at the mortality of your life and of your parents and of your loved ones and say, I am running through this room because these things hurt to think about these past traumas, these, all of these things they hurt, 
But if I were to actually conquer them, not run past them, I would make it to that other door better for the journey and not just for the sake of making it to that other door. But that's and what the drugs, that's what the drugs and the alcohol were. They were the running. They were the that's exactly. experience without experiencing. And then you, and then what happens is that you end up tripping over those dangerous things regardless. And you're, and they are more dangerous to you because you're not even sure why you're fighting. You know, I, I, I see it with my, my two-year-old. Um, I'm trying to get him dressed and I'm putting his pants on. He doesn't want to put his pants on. And he starts flailing and running around and, 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 and trying to get out of my hold. And like, I'm holding him tighter because if I let him go, he's going to run into something. But mm -hmm. he's so afraid of the thing that he's not actually paying attention to what's dangerous right. in the room. And that's a thing that, you know, we, we have more sophisticated ways of flailing than a two-year-old. But yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it's in a glass, sometimes it's in a needle. Um, sometimes it's wrapped in a, uh, you know, a hundred dollar bill but it's still the same thing. We're not willing to deal with what we need to deal with. So um, I have a, I have so a yeah. metaphor that, that, or an analogy, I don't know which one. Too bad I'm an English major, I'm supposed to. But um, I always tell people like, you know, when you were a baby, you wore a very small shoe. And now you're an adult and you wear a larger shoe. And I bet if you think about it, you can never remember the stretch of your foot hurting, right? As if my foot grew, I didn't even notice it. But now that I'm an adult, if I try to put that old shoe on, that baby shoe, I'll feel pain, you see? And, and what, I, what I say is that it's not the change that hurts, it's the resistance to the change, right? It's trying to stay in that old shoe, be that old shoe a, uh, old relationship, an old job, an old mindset, you know, once I have changed, once I have grown, I cannot go back to the old shoe. Does, do you see where I'm going with that? Yes, it's a very clear um, analogy, a metaphor. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but I know I, I completely understand. And, and that's, and we try to, and, you know, nostalgia is a, is a, is a very potent drug itself. Uh, right. things are better than things are better than, and all I want to do is get back to then. I want to make my life great again. Um, and that is the opposite of growth. Here, here, I have a, I have an ex from 20 some odd years ago who I basically self combusted over. I just could not handle this person in my life whatsoever. Right. And now I have a wife who is absolutely 100% on my side. Right. Is, 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 is built almost the yin to my yang. Right. But whereas I'm with her every day and I see her getting older, getting more miles on her, so to speak, not being perfect my vision of that person from 20 years ago doesn't change. It only gets romanticized and gets better in my mind. I don't know. I haven't seen this person in 20 years, so I don't know. But 
in my mind, that shoe starts to nostalgically look better where real life has the warts and flaws of reality. And, and, and so it's difficult for, for a man, or at least it's difficult for me. I can't say for every man, but it's difficult for me <laughs> to stay rooted in every day when I'm battling the ghosts of the past that only start to look more and more beautiful. I think, you know, I, I'm no spring chicken myself, but I am, I am relatively new in marriage, uh, comparatively speaking. And I know that that is one of the dangers. And I think, you know, it's crazy because we live in a world now where you can, you know, go on your phone or a computer and find people from the past and mm -hmm. see what they're doing. And, you know, it's not like anybody's putting their, like, you know, Saturday morning pictures on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I, right. I think what's, what's, what's important, and I think this is a lesson about, honestly, it's a lesson about gratefulness and constantly reminding ourselves of that which we have, how valuable it is and how fleeting it can be. And when I think about, as I've grown older, what my expectations of a relationship are, you know, it has, it, it, it leans further and further away from the physical as I imagined it as a, as a young man and pursued it as a young man, stupidly often, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so much about, like, I was lucky enough to find a partner and that partner is the counterpoint to so many of the things that I feel um, in, 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 the, in the same language you use, the yin to my yang, if you will. And uh, that is more valuable to me. And I'm more grateful for that than anything that I had in the past because if those things were as important to me as the thing that I have now, I'd still have it, right? I, I wouldn't have let it go the way that I have held on to this. And so I, I have to consistently remind, constantly remind myself, like I'm here for a reason. I chose to be in this space. The universe led me, God led me to this person into this space. And it's when we start thinking about what desire, uh, we we take our eye off. Oh, you're breaking and up. That's when, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I can. I say, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I broke up, but just in conclusion, I want to stay focused on the thing that has made me happier than I've ever remember being happy in my life. And if I can keep my eyes on that, and 30 years from now, I close my eyes somewhere. I would have gone knowing that I spent the last 40 years of my life with the right person doing the right thing. Well, let me let me ask this, man. I mean, it sounds like what we've just done is figured out what addiction is, right? Because addiction is 
me not being able to be okay with today, me thinking about the beauty of yesterday, whether that be the hit that I had, because you, you know, we know chasing the dragon, right? We know that you, you take yeah. that first hit and it's the, ooh, the world is amazing. And, you know, seven years later, you take a hit and it don't feel like nothing, but your mind keeps telling you it could be that one from way back then, right? The, the yeah. the nostalgia of the first. And, and, and maybe we do that over and over and over and over again in different aspects of our life. Maybe we're chasing something that, that, that recovery or growing up or health, mental health means accepting what you have today and being grateful for it. Don't know. No, I don't think I do know 100%. I know that I like what you're saying. I think I have to separate in my mind addiction as a physical function of the mind and the human condition, which is the thing that we've been dealing with for all of time, and say that all of the things that we've been talking about fall in that lane of human condition and that addiction is like a, a, an extreme side road that some of us unfortunately get pulled onto. And when we get back to the quote unquote mainstream, things that have to do to remain grateful and remain well and remain strong in our recovery as it were, are the same things that hopefully people who don't have to deal with addiction are doing in their regular lives. Because end of the day, it's that human condition that we all share. Uh, it's easier to get lost in the, the 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 grass on the other side. It's easier to to dream, to video game, to sex, to buy, to 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 eat than it is to be present. Um, and there's the quick overdose. And then there's the slow death. Mm -hmm. And I think both are, both, are, both are tragic. There are there are people who are dead in their grave who had more life to live. And the people walking down the street right now who are zombies who have life to live. The only difference is that the right combination of thought and practice can do something for those of us who are still walking around if we are willing to, to open ourselves to that. And, and and be present in the good and the bad of it all. Well, I know you. I know you've got a, a, an engagement there in Jersey. That makes any uh, sense. Bigger than that, I know you've got you've got an engagement in Jersey, and and we're starting to break up a little bit. So I'm gonna let let you go and say thank you so much. Pardon me. All right. Well, I'm gonna get off uh, with you, but. Thank you very much, and, and I'm sure we will talk again soon. Joseph Green, LMS Voice. So as you can hear, cell service, traffic, uh, the bustle of life got in the way and caused uh, us to have to cut our conversation short. But, you know, I just so love speaking with Joseph and... and and letting the conversation go wherever it may 
wander because he's truly an, a, an inspiring person and um, I want to thank him for, for taking the time to, to talk to me in this way. Uh, Recovery Greenhouse is a product of Sauk Valley Voices of Recovery, uh, NRG Media, our local radio uh, syndicate that is partnered with us. The music you heard uh, is from Flame Music Group. Uh, as always, you know, go into the world and love one another and if you find that, that you have a, uh, an issue or a problem with alcohol or drugs, reach for help. If you, if you can't find somebody, uh, look us up, uh, Sog Valley Voices of Recovery, svvor.org, and uh, we would love to, to do what we can to help.